Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kimar Roach, and I listen to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition, another episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and with me as ever is my partner in crime, Santoki Nagilendron. Santoki, how you doing? Yeah, all good, Mash, and we're here recording a special episode. Now, Super 50 went under the radar in terms of eyes on it with the Cricket World Cup going on. Most of the globe were focused on that. However, there was one West Indian story which sort of made headlines or at least broke news across the world. And that was the announcement by 35-year-old King of Spin, Sunil Narayan, that he will be retiring. Well, he is retired from international cricket and also will no longer be playing List A cricket. Now, Sunil Narayan hasn't played for West Indies since 2019. But I guess this sort of puts a full stop on any question marks about whether he will return to the setup ahead of the home World Cup for West Indies next year. Now, Michelle, I know you've got his retirement statement in front of you, so you'll read it out. So if you want to read it out and then afterwards, just give your own impressions or, or your reaction to his statement. Yes, yeah, so Sunil said, um, I appreciate that it's been over four years since I last played for West Indies. But today I'm announcing my retirement from international cricket. Publicly, I'm a man of few words, but privately, there are few people who have given me unwavering support throughout my career and helped me realise my dream of representing West Indies. And to you, I express my deepest gratitude, especially my family and in particular my father. He is ever present with me when I take to the field and I'm indebted to his support and love, which carried me through the times I questioned whether the pursuit of my dreams is really worth it. Sunil continue. I would like to acknowledge and thank Cricket West Indies, the coaching staff and passionate West Indies fans. And of course, my teammates who enabled me to play at the highest level in all formats and with some memorable successes. So, I mean, that was the kind of crux of his statement. Maybe there are bits and pieces more that I've missed out, but that was the essential crux of the statement. And it was a weird one, Santoki, because ultimately, first and foremost, you and I, I think we text, we text each other or sent a message in the WhatsApp saying, well, the obvious argument for most West Indian fans would be, well, we thought you'd retired anyway in all but name, right? 
And that's not a disrespect. I think that's a fair enough assessment. The kind of will he, won't he um, saga, which had gone on for the 2021 T20 World Cup, and not so much, but also for the 2022 T20 World Cup. You and I had said that there was probably only a slim chance that he would accept a call to play in the 2024 home World Cup. And I guess, Santoki, handing it back to you, do you think this statement fundamentally came with that 2024 World Cup on the horizon, knowing that the West Indian cricket public would, of course, say, well, what about Sunil Narayan? What? And he would be in that same conversation with Andre Russell. What about this guy? What about that guy? Are we going to call them up? Are we not going to call them up? It's a home World Cup. Do you think it was primarily with that in mind that he fundamentally that he ultimately put out this statement to say, "I am now officially done"? Yeah, I think that was, that definitely was probably a big reason. Obviously, um, as you said, it seemed to have been an annual occurrence in press conferences with lead selector Desmond Haynes. There was always a question about will Sunil Narayan be playing, and I guess what was strange about it was the ambiguity about it. It was kind of like from Narayan's side, there was never a definitive no, even from. Desmond Haynes signed. There wasn't even any indication that he was certain as to whether, as to why Sunil Narayan wasn't playing. So that kind of mystery in terms of whether he will or will not sort of frustrated fans. I think for West Indian fans, we see him in IPL year in, year out for 11 years now, take bags of wickets, get global accolades. And it's frustrating from a West Indian point of view to see him not play for West Indies. But I definitely think obviously with the Home World Cup coming on, more pressure on West Indies to do well there'll be more questions about why isn't Sunil Narayan playing. So I think this sort of bookends that matter, sort of closes the chapter on whether he will or will not play. Obviously, there might be other factors as well. We don't know. As as Narayan said, he's publicly a man of few words, so I doubt we'll get any more beyond that statement. But as I said, it does close a chapter for Sunil Narayan. And I think the initial reaction, Mash, from West Indian fans, at least the ones we've seen on social media, has been... You know, not really anger, but disappointment that, you know, he hasn't played for West Indies since for the past four years. Sporadically, I guess you could argue, since 2014, he's really uh, hasn't appeared much for West Indies. So that there's a lingering frustration. But I guess we're here to sort of dissect. I mean, we're not experts in the IPL, so we're not here to dissect his IPL records. But we're here specifically to focus on his West Indies legacy. And now he's retired. What does he leave behind for West Indies? And how would we evaluate his career? Because I think it's not a black and white case with Sunil Narayan. Obviously, there were issues about his action, which prevented him from taking part in certain tournaments. However, you can't also deny the fact that he was a pivotal part of our 2012 T20 World Cup win. So with Narayan, it's, a, it's one that splits debate, but we're here to sort of look at what has been his legacy for West Indies cricket, Mash. Yeah, 100%. And I think I'm going to try and put it out there from the jump, which is that, in the context of, we have a very, we have a fundamental, I'm going to call it bad minism in, in the Caribbean, where we almost don't like to see our own players, and by our own players, I mean across the whole region, prosper unless they fit the right mould of what it means to be a cricketer, whatever that statement means, right? So if you say to somebody, uh, Chris Gale, was a GOAT of West Indies cricket, you'll find people wanting to fight that statement down, right? And say, but this, but that. So I know that if you and I now say Sunil Narayan was a GOAT of West Indies cricket in a particular format, people won't hear that. They'll say, no, how can you say that? He didn't even play that many matches and da-da-da-da-da. So I think the first thing we have to do, Santoki, is just let the numbers talk for themselves. 
right? So I'm just going to read out his, his, his statistics because I don't actually think people realize what his, his stats are because they don't equate his career with a lot of game time for West Indies. So Sunil Narayan has played, played sorry, 51 T20 internationals. He took, um, his, he took 52 wickets at 21 apiece at an overall economy of six. Okay, so 52 wickets at 21 apiece with a, at an overall economy of six. And of course, Santoki, he was a T20 World Cup winner in 2012. In ODI cricket, which I think is the thing that everybody overlooks, in ODI cricket, Sunil Ryan played 65 ODIs and he took 92 wickets at 26 apiece with an overall economy of 4.13. Now, that's quite... Now, test matches, he obviously only played three test matches. And, of course, people say, oh, but you don't want to mention his test record. Yeah, 21 wickets at 41. But we can get into that, or 40 even. We can get into that. Uh, sorry, six test matches, I should say. We can get into that at a later point, Santoki, and look at the kind of test career. But if you... The the, the T20... <clears throat> Dying out here. The T the T20 career speaks for itself. But if we focus on OGIs first and foremost, Santoki, there are the only players in West Indies cricket with a better strike rate of 92 wickets in 65 OGI matches at 26 apiece, economy 4.13. The only when I looked at the kind of OGI records through the West Indian annals, the only people above Sinon Ryan are all the recognized GOATs of West Indies cricket in terms of the fast bowlers, the holdings, the cross, the garners, etc. So I, I, I don't think we should be turning our nose up at what Sinil achieved in limited overs cricket. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think his ODI record sort of goes under the radar because he was so good in T20 cricket. And if you look at Narayan's sort of um, rise in ODI cricket, well, he... He didn't really play for Trinidad and Tobago until 2011. He won the Super 50 with them. And then later that year, after the 2011 World Cup, he made his uh, ODI debut. So really and truly, he, he only played ODIs for a few years. He, he played 65 in total. But his record match was impeccable in the format. I guess on the flip side, I guess one sort of disappointment with his career was he never played in the ODI World Cup. So in mm. terms of context there's nothing to measure it on. And I think that's where it kind of people kind of look down on his ODI record. But in and of itself, in bilaterals, he had a very stellar career in ODIs. And even um, if you mentioned, you mentioned briefly there, he played six test matches. If you're looking at the six test matches he played, the second one, he second ever test match he played against New Zealand at home, he was a uh, man of the match. And his last ever test match, he took six wickets in one innings in Hamilton in New Zealand, which is a uh, notorious New Zealand for being troublesome for spinners to take wickets on. So I think even in test cricket, he showed promise. But however, like I said, it's not really a simple story of Narayan because if you're basing it at the beginning of 2014, he was one of the few multi-format stars we had in terms of he was playing all three formats and doing well. However, 2014 was also the first time he got called up for his action in mm. the Champions League that year. So I think if you're looking at Narayan's career... It's important, I think, not because I think there's a perception that he chose not to play for West Indies and, you know, he sort of opted out in terms of taking those franchise deals. I think 2014 and him being called up massively derailed his prospects, at least of Test cricket and to an extent ODI cricket, because once he did get called up at the end of 2014, 
he opted out of the 2015 ODI World Cup to work on his action. So I think you've got to factor in there were external factors as well, which hindered his prospects in the formats. And ultimately, what it came down to was T20 cricket, cricket sort of, in terms of remodeling his action and sort of um, his style of play, T20 cricket suited his format and was also the most sustainable way of playing. So for him, he sort of narrowed down on playing T20 cricket, but it was sort of taken out of his hands, Mesh. Yeah, for sure. And I think... It's important that you you kind of note the action because the action, like is like you said, ruled him out of the 2015 World Cup. I the action, the remodeled action, and because as much as people want to go, ah, oh, but the action, the action. I think we have to remember these are human beings we're talking about, and when you get called on your action in cricket, you, you're not just losing your action. You're not just going to work away on your action. When you return, it's then about do you have the confidence that you once had to to, to bowl at the highest level? And it, it, the, the, I think sometimes there was this kind of feeling that I'll just get back in amongst it without understanding the human element of, well, this isn't actually a straightforward. What if I get you kind of the thing I would equate it to, Santoki, is like when a football player has a serious injury and then the first time they come back at the highest level on the football pitch, they're tentative because then they don't want that injury to reoccur again. And now they're second guessing certain things and so on and so forth. And I don't think West Indian fans properly took that on board when, when, Sunil, when Sunil came back. And that contributed to him not going to the 2016 World Cup as well. He, I, he didn't feel ready to be at that T20 World Cup. Obviously, we won anyway, but that also contributed to his absence. And I think the other thing we should throw in there is he had injuries. Um, as well, which is why when the 2019 OGI World Cup came came about, although he was in consideration, actually he was nursing an injury. So it wasn't just, I don't think his story is as simple as Sunil Narayan didn't want to play for the West Indies. Yeah, I think that's an excellent summary, Mash. I think, as you said, you've got a, I think with elite sports, we often lose the humanity of it all. So I think for him, the perseverance and also the way he managed to sort of reinvent himself as a batter in T20 cricket, as an opening sort of pinch hitter batter, you have to credit him because he essentially, he always persevered and managed to sort of re-energise himself and, and with a remodel of who he was as a player because primarily when he did start out, at least for the West Indies, you wouldn't have considered him a batter at all. But but especially in the IPL, he became an open. I think he hit one of the fastest half centuries in IPL history. So just that perseverance to enable himself to remodel himself. But unfortunately, I think, yeah, like you said, um, the injuries and the toll of um, being called up meant that in terms of international cricket, it sort of went to the wayside and he essentially focused in on franchise cricket. Now, Mesh, the other debate, obviously, is um, whilst he didn't play uh, international cricket since 2016, he's been a regular for Trinidad and Tobago in uh, the Super 50 and he's he actually in the final he he took three more wickets to become cleared all-time leading wicket taker for Trinidad and Tobago 97 wickets in Super 50 so ironically whilst he hasn't been playing for West Indies he's sort of been around domestically in the 50 over game um for starring for Trinidad and Tobago with that one do you how do you sort of interpret that one because obviously a lot of people will perceive it as you know his loyalties with Trinidad and Tobago uh, rather than West Indies or do you just think Super 50 is more low-key and it just allowed him to play sort of without that pressure. I always got the sense with Sunil and playing for the Red Force, and you can, if we want to extrapolate that to the Knight Riders as well, that 
one thing that you can't throw at Sunil Narayan is that he doesn't love giving back to Trinidad uh, and Tobago cricket. And I don't think that I don't think that's something to flog him with. I don't think that's something that we should kind of say, oh, but why did you play for Trinidad and why did you not play for Sydney? Man's from Trinidad. Man loves playing for Trinidad. I can't I I, I can't I can't hate on him for that. Um and to be fair, Santoki, did Sunil not come back to play Super 50 when some international stars didn't want to come back to come and play Super 50? So we, we, we can't have our cake and eat it. We can't, ha- on one hand, say, well, boy, our international players really need to come and play our domestic competition. Sunil Narayan comes to do that. And then you say, why Sunil Narayan only playing for Trinidad and not, and not putting his name forth West Indies? But there's a big question mark in all of this for me, um, Santoki. And it goes back to the, 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 the 2021 T20 World Cup um, in UAE or Dubai or whatever it was. Now, obviously that World Cup was put off by a year because of the pandemic. It was originally supposed to be in 2020. Now, since the last time Sinan Narayan played any form of international for the West Indies was in August 2019, which at that time would have been about a year out from when the, the, the T20 World Cup was due to take place. It's all hypotheticals. It's all hypotheticals. If the pandemic hadn't happened, do you think we would have seen Sinan Narayan at that 2020 World Cup, given the rest of the band was getting back together anyway? Or, or do you think it would have been a stretch to, to, to get him back for 2020 as well? Yeah, I personally think it would have been a stretch. I can't imagine him. I don't think necessarily the pandemic played a part. I think his mind maybe already been made up. I know there are rumours that, you know, he got a, a late call-up from the band to try and get him in last minute to play in that World Cup. But I just think his mind had already been made up, regardless of whether there was a pandemic or not. And I guess that could have been a sliding doors moment, because I think once you've got Narayan in UAE, where it was so conducive to spin you essentially have four overs where you know you're not going to go for runs and you're probably, the opposition are probably going to lose wickets. So, again, that even shows, whilst he didn't play for West Indies since uh, 2019, that he he sort of, it was felt that he was missing because they tried to get him back for 2021. And it sort of felt like, I know in 2016, we managed to win the World Cup with Suleiman Ben filling in as that secondary spinner. But it always felt like we had a, a big hole in the side, the T20 side, without Narayan. And I guess that also kind of points to his impact that he made in a short period of time. He became such an integral part of that T20 setup. Even up until now, if he hadn't have announced his retirement, we'd still be asking Desmond Haynes, is Narayan going to get a call-up? So that sort of points to his legacy and sort of, if you're pointing at his GOAT status, the fact that no one's really come close in the West Indies to replicating his effect as a spinner. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So what is the overall legacy mm. of, of Sunil Narayan? Because, and but you, you may have actually just answered it. We've not seen anyone 
And this old actually, so what I'm saying here is for anybody watching this, listening to this, and thinking, "Are oh, you lot are overstating uh, the importance of sin on the rhyme?" Well, the qu the question I would naturally ask off the back of that is, "Well, who's come close to emulating him since?" Um, it's not Roston Chase. So, like, who? <laughs> like, so, like so, so the Ryan has set a bar that we haven't seen since Sinon the Ryan stopped playing for the West Indies. And yes, people can say, but we've got Kudakesh Moti coming through and Akil Hussain has been, um, you, I would argue, more than useful on, on occasions in white ball cricket. But I think it shows just how high that Sinon the Ryan bar is, that he's had no natural successor. Um, and, what, uh, and what that kind of speaks to um, Santoki is that Narine trod his own path, his own unique path that will forever, well, not forever, but will certainly be saying for the next however many years, decades, whatever it might be, who's the next Sunil Narine? And from the minute you're answering that type of question, similar to a who's the next Chris Girl, when you ask those type of questions, those questions by default indicate that the person you're asking that question about was some kind of goat or set or trailblazed in some kind of way that you're still looking for the next person uh, to fill those massive boots or shoes. Yeah, and I think it's telling, you know, on, on our Super 50 review, we talked about Jason Holder and his comments about not the Caribbean not developing his game. Um, Silna Narine's an interesting one because... He didn't. He went through an unorthodox route. He was initially called up for the under nineteen Trinidad side as a batter who happened to bowl part time spin, and then he didn't play for a while. It was two thousand eleven. They threw him into the Caribbean T Twenty, as it was called at the time, and he did well there. And sort of he honed his skills playing softball in Trinidad, recreational game. So he didn't come through any sort of development system, or there wasn't any path. It's sort of he sort of done it outside of all that, and that that was also why he was unorthodox and successful. But I think when you're looking at to your original question, when you're looking at his West Indies legacy, I think the fact that he was so pivotal in our win in 2012 means you have to give him respect because we hadn't won any World Cup since 1979 up until that point. And 2012, in the final against Sri Lanka, he bowled 3.4 overs for, what was it, nine runs and took three wickets. Ridiculous figures, which essentially swung the game in our favour and took us to the title. So I think you have to give him respect just for that alone, even if he didn't achieve anything afterwards for in terms of West Indies colours. Just the fact in terms of what that World Cup meant for the region and how pivotal he was, Mash, you, you've got to put respect on his name. Yeah, and, and again, just to kind of question those who will hear you say that, Santoki, and still say, but, but, but. Marlon Samwells, for all of Marlon Samwells' flaws, he is recognised throughout the region as, yeah, but look what he did in those two World Cups. Hmm. Well, what Santoki is effectively saying is, well, look what Sinon Narine did in the 2012 World Cup. You take those 3.4 overs out, three for nine, do we win that, that, that 2012 World Cup against Sri Lanka? Probably not. But because everyone's always so quick to say that batter won us a game, they'll, everyone talks about Marlon Samuels and his, the key innings that he played in 2012. But actually, go back and look at who was the, 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 the key strike bowler, who was the key wicket taker in that 2012 final. And it, and it was sitting on the Rhine. So I, I think we just have to look at the wider context and, and understand that, yes, we would have loved to see sitting on the Rhine a lot more than, than we did as the years went on. But you can't question his contribution in a, in a major... So you can't question the fact that he made a major contribution 
at a time when West Indies cricket didn't even know what success looked like. Yeah, no, definitely, and I, I think it's it's all about it's all about moments as well when you're an, analysing someone's legacy. I mean, you mentioned someone like all right, let's take for an example. That's not to even mock him or anything, but you mentioned Rustin Chase. How many Rustin Chase has probably played more West Indies games than Sunil at this point, um, if you combine everything across formats. But what has been has there been a defining moment in Rustin Chase's career? You could argue that England winning the England series, West Indies series. Um, but generally, if you're talking about big moments, what comes bigger than winning a World Cup? So for Narine to be pivotal in doing that means he has to be. You have to respect his legacy and say he has had a, a positive impact and legacy on West Indian cricket. And also, I guess if you're, I know we're talking about what he's done as in an actual West Indies jersey. Just the fact he's West Indian and what he's done across the world surely would inspire particularly people in Trinidad, like youngsters as well. So if you take that into account as well, the legacy he has would be far-reaching, Mash. And as I said, I think he's a trailblazer in terms of spinners, spinning in the format and his impact. And just the fact we've never come close to replicating anyone like that in the region just sort of shows his sort of GOAT status, at least in T20 format. My only disappointment is that we didn't get to see him more in ODI cricket and particularly Red Bull cricket. He's when I interviewed him, he did talk about it being his favourite format and um, he wished he could play it more. Um, and tellingly, Mash, when I asked him what has been your career highlight, winning the IPL or the World Cup, he could have easily said the IPL, it was going out for an Indian, predominantly Indian publication that would have, you know, got all the clicks and rebate. But he said winning the 2012 World Cup will forever be his highlight. So that sort of shows is he still has some sort of love and loyalty towards West Indies. It was just like I said... Other factors cut it short. But I think to answer the question, as you said, Mash, I'm sure in the comments, people will hit us up and be like, nah, what are you guys talking about? Um, Sunil Narayan, you know, he abandoned West Indies as a mercenary. But from my perspective, Mash, his legacy, he has a far-reaching legacy and impact on West Indian cricket. I don't think I could put it any better. Um, it seems like the natural way to, 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 to almost end this kind of quick deep dive into Sunil Narayan but I will just raise one thing, Santoki. We're undoubtedly going to get a lot of listeners to this episode from the uh, Asian subcontinent, as well as the Caribbean, because of Sunil Narayan's reach is global. Um, it's well, well beyond the shores of the different Caribbean nations and the Caribbean region. Is it a silly question? Is it a pop? Is it a sheer matter of population size? Or would it be fair to say, Santoki, that we as a region have not respected our recent GOAT generation and their accolades and contributions to West Indies cricket more than people outside the region do. So if, for example, Santoki, guess what I'm saying is somebody from the Asian subcontinent will watch this and go, well, of course, Sonal Ryan's a GOAT. How, why is this even a video? Why are you even talking about this? But we're doing it because we know that there will be plenty of people in the Caribbean who will question it. But why do you think that is, Santoki? That's, that could be an episode in itself. I partly think, you know, the campaign against... Remember there was that newspaper, I forgot which island it was from, and it had pictures of Narayan, Russell, Gail, and it had like a big cross across their name saying they were mercenaries because they'd abandoned the side that they'd abandoned West Indies. I just think the sort of there was a smear campaign against that GOAT generation and them quote unquote being mercenaries. And again, I guess it's a domino effect. Once you see someone like a Dre Russell and the Wine start playing less and less for West Indies, 
as a fan, you're probably your frustration grows. Whereas Indian fans have seen the Ryan and Russell play 11 years consecutively for Kolkata Knight Riders and seen them consistently year on year, whereas we haven't got that in the West Indies. So I think it's a combination of just the perception given out um, about these players and quote-unquote being mercenaries, whereas now essentially players turning down national games to play in franchise tournaments is a common thing. At that time, it wasn't seen as much across country, so they were portrayed as mercenaries. So I think that has played a part. And just the visibility, Mash, I think the fact that IPL, like you said, they play every single year, they have more eyes on them, it's a bigger population. So I think that it's interesting, the, the perception between a lot of West Indian fans, what their perception of the Ryan compared to Indian fans. I think Indian fans, like you said, would be asking, it's not even a debate. Like, obviously, the Ryan goes down as one of the greats. So it's interesting, and that's why we had to make this video, Mesh. 100%. So listen, let, let's let, let's give the people a challenge then. Having watched this video, people, get at us in the comments below. Let us know. Is Sunil Narayan a GOAT of West Indies cricket? Yes or no? And irrespective of what your answer is to that question, what is your favourite Sunil Narayan moment? Ideally, we want you to say West Indian moment, but I'm fairly <laughs> certain that Bear Man are going to get in these comments and talk about some IPL moment. But what is your favourite Sunil Narayan moment? And leave your reflections in the comments below about his legacy and contribution to West Indies cricket. As ever, um, we've been the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Uh, we, we caught some flack recently, Santoki. They said we're not positive enough. Was that positive? Yeah, yeah, we've been, we've been catching strays, you know, we've been catching strays in the comments. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully this isn't too negative for those of you listening. But, you know, like we say, Mash, on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, we always keep it real. Obviously, if you don't like it, it is what it is. This is our opinion. It's not going to change. So we'll be back very soon. I think we're doing a preview of the West Indies A-Tour of South Africa. If you haven't already, do check out our Super 50 review show. If you're on our YouTube page, it will be under the live section. So it won't be on the videos. Go to live. You'll see a Super 50 view review and you can see, you can make your own judgment whether we were being too harsh and critical or we called it how it is. It seems to be, have divided a lot of fans, Mash. But as ever, Caribbean Cricket Podcast, our mantra is always to keep it honest and we call it how we see it. For real, for real, for real. Before you go, people, like the video, share the video, subscribe to Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And of course, if you want to contribute to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, head to www.patreon.com forward slash Cricket. Stay locked in for more content. We'll see you soon. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.